Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Matthew 7, starting at verse 21 to 29. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Lynn. Well, this morning we're going to conclude our series on the Sermon on the Mount that we began back in January. So all this time we have been sitting at the feet of Jesus as he taught his disciples and as he's been teaching us to redirect our hearts towards his kingdom. And these are the last words that Jesus says in the sermon. So the last words that someone says that they conclude, those are ones that they want to make sure that you know. And Jesus is kind of almost, in a way, summing up the things that he said because he wants us to rethink foundations, rethink our foundation. What are we building our lives upon. We don't often think about foundations when we walk into buildings. I'm guessing this morning when you walked in the front door, the first thing on your mind wasn't, hey, did they build a nice foundation here? You just kind of assume they did, right? And that the walls are going to stay up and not fall in on us while we're here, right? We don't think about them because the foundations are usually in the ground, not seen, but they are absolutely important, particularly the image that Jesus gives us about building your house on the rock and the sand. And I got some images. Uh, The first image that we have is one of a lighthouse that was built on the rock. So you're just like, wow, that's really cool. Just a little bit of history about this particular lighthouse. It was finished in 1791. 34 different lighthouse keepers lived there uh, with their families over uh, uh, 230 years of time. The first one was appointed by George Washington, and it still stands after 230 years of winds and waves and storms. And then I have another image that's all too familiar to us in Michigan of things that we have seen in the last few years. This is a photo of a house north of Muskegon that was built in the early 1900s. And it was built far from the edge of the water in what seemed to be a safe place. 
And, and I, don't, I don't even think it took a massive storm to have this house end up in the manner that it was. But it was, it was built on sand. So our foundation is absolutely important. And I want to answer the question or help you to answer the question, what are you building your life upon? What is your foundation? And as we study the text, we're going to need God's help. So let's pray. Father, we need your help this morning. As we've needed your help every Sunday since we started studying this sermon, open our eyes, Lord, to the ways in which we are, are not building our life on the foundation of Christ. And lead us, Lord, help us to grow so that we do. Help us to see long-term, to build our life as we've been already singing about this truth, Lord. Show us Jesus this morning as Jesus teaches us. We ask this, Lord, in, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, John Newton once said this. He said, if I, if I ever reach heaven, I expect to find three wonders there. First, to meet some I had not thought to see there. Second, to, meet, to miss some I had thought to meet there. And third, the greatest wonder of them all, to find myself there. Just a sobering quote, you know, expecting going to heaven to see those maybe that he knew to be Christians, and yet, yet we may be surprised on that day when we see Jesus face to face. And as we come to this text, we should be sobered by Jesus' words, because Entering the kingdom is something that's needed through what Christ has done, not through our efforts. So good works or just Christian lip service is, is not the firm foundation that Jesus calls us to have. Just giving lip service, like knowing the right things to say, like correct belief, like correct doctrine, knowing the right doctrine, knowing the right scriptures, being able to answer theological questions. That's not, that's not enough to enter the kingdom. That's not proof that one will enter the kingdom. Just because you are a student of the Bible doesn't mean that you enter the kingdom. This word, we should be students of the Bible, but this word should have an effect on our lives. It should change us. We should experience conviction from the Lord. So this, this truth should transform. Not that we become perfect in this life, and certainly Jesus isn't saying these things so that, so that those who are Christians would just constantly question and wonder if they are Christians, but he wants us to be sobered. What are we building? Why are we doing what we are doing? Why, why are we showing up at a, a gathering like this? Is it so that others can see that we are seated here in this gathering? Are we coming here only because our, our parents are requiring us to come to this gathering? Are we doing it just because of tradition? Are we doing it because we want to know Christ more? We want to understand the truth of his word. We want to fellowship with the saints and taste what it's going to be like when we're in eternity with, with all the saints from every tribe and tongue and, and language and nation. What's, what's our heart? 
And even doing good works isn't good enough. Having, having zeal or even doing remarkable things is not enough. If you look at the text, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Is it possible for someone to do miraculous things and not have, not, not go into the kingdom? Well, in, in Luke 10, 17, uh, Jesus sent out all the disciples and they did these miraculous things. You know who was counted among those who did all those miraculous things? Judas, who would then betray Christ. Jesus warns later in this book, in chapter 24, he says, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. Doing things does not make us a, a Christian. Doing even great and amazing things in the name of God or in the name of Jesus doesn't make one a follower of Jesus. Remember what Jesus told us in, back in chapter 5. He said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is calling us to a heart-level obedience, a, a heart relationship, a relationship with him, not one that's based on, okay, if I do these things, check off these boxes, then I'm good. Not a relationship of like, tell me where the edge is so I can do what I want. As long as I get to the edge, I'm, I'm good. No, Jesus wants everything throughout this whole sermon He's directing our hearts to the kingdom, directing our hearts to, to reevaluate every part of our lives. He, he's calling us to hunger and thirst for him. So what does this mean, the, the one who does the will of the Father? It's not just doing things. And there, there is, we, we can know God's will. We there, there is the objective will of God and the subjective will of God. The, ob the objective will is when the revealed word of God that we have right here that we can hold in our hands and that we can, we can read and that we can study. The, the clear things that are taught in Scripture. The Sermon on the Mount that Jesus spoke calling us with specific things. These things apply to, to everyone as we study the word. So am I doing God's will? Well, there's, there's lots here to know, yes, I, I'm doing God's will if I'm seeking to obey this. But Jesus isn't calling us to perfection. We know that we are being conformed to the image of his son. There's a process called sanctification in which we are growing. And it's going to be complete when we see Jesus face to face, but we are growing. So what's our heart inclination? Is it one to grow? Is it one to pursue the Lord? Is it one to be open to input and correction? Is it open to even the Spirit of God bringing conviction? Now, there's also the subjective will. And what that is, there's times where you 
that's when we often hear people talk about the will of God, like, God told me. You've heard people say that. God told me to do this. I think God still speaks subjectively. It's not going to go against his objective word. But yet there, there are times God calls us to do different things. God, God's calling some in our faith family to go to the Dominican. Some this week, some the following week to go and serve. God didn't call all of us to go do that. God will call some to, to go on the trip to Liberia. God calls some of you to do, to do certain things. God, in, in that way, there, there are times the Lord just kind of burdens you for something. And for you not to do that would be, would be disobedience. But he's not calling everyone to do that. But we, we can know God's will as we, as we look at his word. But we don't want to cut out different pieces like Thomas Jefferson did when he just kind of went through this, and the things he just disagreed with, he just, he just cut them out. No, we, we want to sit before, we want to be sobered by this. I mean, Jesus is calling us to consider all of these things and pursue him, seek to put them into practice. But to put them into practice only because God is at work. Because he's not calling us to perfection. He's calling us to direct our hearts, and he doesn't leave us. He is, he is with us in this process. He walks with us. He says, I never leave you or forsake you. So even in our obedience, he is present to walk with us. But just doing good works or giving lip service, that's not the firm foundation. It's not just the things that you see or that you could see in the lives of others. He wants, he wants our Hearts, and he wants us to be sobered by that. Because the workers of lawlessness, now they are those who, who completely reject God and his word and his will. And that, that's part of that. But the workers of lawlessness are those who on the outside portray one thing, but on the inside, their, their hearts are far from God. They're putting on a show. Jesus says, I, I don't want a show. I want your heart. I want, I want all of you because I, I gave my life for you. But also, a, a Christian, so, so the, the Christian lifestyle, the Christian things that you do is not the firm foundation. Because he goes on and we see this picture as we looked at some pictures on, on the screen of, of talking about this foundation, Everyone who does hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then down in 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. We immediately like, yep, we know the one that we need to do. We need to build on the rock. That makes sense. But let's just take a step back a minute and see both of these individuals are building a house. Like on the outside, in in some ways, they look similar. To get below the surface, they look similar. They're each building a house. They're each putting in bedrooms. They're each got windows. They've each picked out their paint colors to put on the walls. They're each doing the landscaping. They want, they want their houses to look nice. They want a place for their kids to play. They they seem to be in the same locality. Their kids may be playing in the same sports teams or going to the same schools or a part of the same youth groups or 
Same things look similar, built near each other, near enough to each other that they each experience the same external storms that come. There almost seems to be little difference about them building their houses except for one huge thing that you don't always apparently see, and that's the foundation, what they have built on. And let's consider these two individuals. Let's consider first the, the foolish man in verse 26. This is, this is an individual that's not really thinking through things long term. They're not, maybe they're in a, a hurry. Want, want to get it built. I want to get it done. Seems to be a good place. Let's just, let's put it there. Let's get it built doesn't seem to be one who has sought wisdom. Maybe they have a trouble listening to others, or maybe they just consider it unnecessary because they realize if, if I get input, I, this is going to slow me down. I'm not going to do what I want to do. So they, they ignore. Concerned about having a nice house and a nice life while ignoring some of the most important questions. But look what happens to his house. In verse 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We can build things quickly. But the wise man gives us a, a different picture. Someone who's more measured. Someone who is, is aware, you know, I really want resiliency. I want this thing to last. I'm aware that storms are coming. And you know what? I, I've never done this before. I, I need to seek the input of others. I want to seek as much input as I can from others. I want to look around and find who's done this before, whose house is still standing, who's weathered the storm. Friends, if, if you're around here and, and you have a few gray hairs or no gray hairs, I, I would exhort you to find the gray-headed people. Not to single them out or point them out to, you know, I know some people don't like to talk about their gray hairs, but these are folks who have weathered the storm. They have gone before. They can tell you, you know what? I, I planted something there. That was not wise. Don't do that. Or over here, it served me well. This stood the test of time as I built on this foundation and learned this truth or put this into practice or found myself if I was just, uh, if I was just more amazed at Christ. There's so many things that we can learn. And in our day, we celebrate youth to our detriment. The wise man, he, he builds his house in the right place because he's measured he knows that the storms are coming and he wants to build a durable house. He's the one who responds to the book of Proverbs, which exhorts us to seek wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And he sees them as more precious than jewels. 
He's thinking before he acts. And so he builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So what is the rock? The rock is the the firm foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Later on in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has this interchange with Peter. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replies to them, on this rock, I will build my church. And some have gotten confused over the years because in the original language, like Peter, you know, seems like he, his name means rock. And so some have said, well, it's, it's on, on Peter. Peter's kind of like the, the first, the, the great apostle. It's, it's upon him. But no, Peter is more of like his original word is more like a pebble. And Jesus is talking about a rock like, like the rock of Gibraltar. Jesus is saying, you get it, Peter. You get it. You get that who I am. And it's on the revelation of Jesus Christ that we, we want to build our foundation. And we build that foundation by having a relationship with Jesus Christ by knowing him. The first step is coming to Christ and confessing Christ admitting that we can't do this on our own, admitting that we, we are lost apart from Christ, admitting that we are frail and weak and committed failures and struggles, admitting there's no way for us to get to God without, there's, there's no hope for us apart from Christ. So humbling ourselves and confessing him as Lord and committing to travel the narrow road that we've talked about already in this sermon. It's not an easy road, but it's the road that Christ calls us on. And how do we know him? Even practically, we've talked about this many times, practically just encountering Christ through, through his word and through prayer. You can encounter Christ anytime, anywhere. Every Every day you can spend some time in his word to get to know him because he's not a God that just sits somewhere out there that we just can't find. No, he came. He came in the form of a man and he, he shows us who God is. And he's come to us and he's revealed himself to us through his word. So that's why we spend time in his word, not because we're checking off a box because this is how we discover about him how we learn about him, how we encounter him. Even as we spend time in prayer, we're praying to him and fellowshipping with him. But it's not about just that time. Maybe that time that some call devotion time, time where they spend just with Jesus and then we go off and do everything else. No, it's about throughout your day. It's fellowshipping with him. 
He wants you to engage with him. He wants you to look at this world through the lens of the gospel. He wants you to look at this world in light of who he is and in light of his kingdom. That's why he spent this whole sermon directing so many aspects of our life, whether it's just our heart attitudes, how we give, how we pray, and go on down the list. The relationship with Jesus is the firm foundation. It's not achieving something. It's not looking like something. It's not following rules. It's, it's Christ. And storms are going to come. That's not a secret to most, most of us here. Storms, storms are going to come. Storms will reveal the quality of our foundation. Now, in the Old Testament, storms refer to God's judgment. When the storms would come, it meant God's judgment would come. And when God's judgment would come, there, there's no time at that moment to, to rethink and rebuild. And there's going to come a day when we will all stand before God. We won't be able to rework the foundation at that point in time. So we is, our, is your foundation the Lord Jesus Christ or it's, is it founded on something else? What foundation are you laying? Young people who are here. I mean the, the under 20s and the under 30s. What, what are you building your life upon? Are you, are you building it on the religion of your parents? Someone asked you, do you just like have that quick answer? Oh yeah, that's the right answer. The right answer is Jesus. Yes, the right answer is Jesus. But are you just saying that because that's what you've been told or do you believe it? Are you being honest with your parents and with others about your relationship with Jesus? I mean, this doesn't just go for, for young people. Let's, let's be honest. Have you trusted in Christ? Are you doing what you're doing because you've encountered the risen Christ? Are you doing it just because it's a show, because that's what you're supposed to say or how you're supposed to answer? Jesus wants you to hear his words, and he wants you to be sobered by them. He wants you to be wise and build on the firm foundation of the revelation of who he is. He wants you to treasure the gospel. He wants all of us to do that, not just the youngest people around. He wants us all to consider that because storms come. It's not just the storm of judgment. The trials of life reveal where our hearts are at. I've walked with some folks who, you know, in times of, of what seemed maybe to others like a minor trial and everything just seems to be falling apart for them. And then I've walked with folks like, like a saint. Her name name's Inger Hannes. She is in the presence of Jesus right now. Has been for about 10 years. When I met her, none, none of the years that I knew her did she ever experience a time where she could say, I'm healthy. Her life seemed to be marked by a constant wave of physical suffering. 
Uh, something that she had when she was young and the treatment that she had for that just wrecked her immune system. And so it was just a constant, you know, you, you were learning about medical diagnoses just by knowing her because of all that she was afflicted with. But even and during some of her last days as I sat by her bedside in her living room when she was barely had enough energy to talk, there was a peace about her. And there was a peace about her husband because they had two boys that were about junior high age. They were friends of my kids. And when it was time for her to go, there was great sadness. But Ray's life was not over. There was a steadiness that I saw that I learned more about this rock on which we are to stand. He took me to school and taught me things by, by his actions and his, his delight in Christ than I learned in, in, in all my seminary education. Because a storm came. And the storms are going to come and they will reveal. And there's times when the storms come, brothers and sisters, that it's a mercy from God. As Americans, we often think that when the storms come, like that's, that's God punishing us or afflicting us just because he's kind of, kind of some kind of sick God. No, sometimes God brings those afflictions to reveal where our foundation is, but he doesn't bring the full force of the storm because he wants us to see we're not rooted in the firm foundation and it's a mercy so that we will come running to Christ and we will, we will build on that firm foundation because there's still time left. There's still time left. If there is air in your lungs, there's time left. So when those trials come, if you realize that you haven't built on the firm foundation, it's not over for you. No, we have the opportunity to be like the wise man, to redirect our hearts towards his kingdom. So maybe you've walked with Jesus or said you are a Christian for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, and now you're like, I don't know if I've been firmly rooted. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you're going, and he wants you to be rooted and grounded in him. So take advantage of this season. Not that this is a unique season. I mean, all you have to do is just kind of look around. Things are hard right now. Things may get even harder. I'm not an economist. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to make any prophetic words about what's going to happen. But here's the reality. Things are going to get hard, and I'm not talking about a recession. I'm talking about hostility towards those who, who have trusted in Christ as their firm foundation. And we're going to need a firm foundation because those things are going to come and we should not focus on those things. It's not about focusing on those things. What am I going to do to be prepared for those things? How do we be prepared for those things? The same way that those who, who built that lighthouse prepared for the storms that were going to come. They didn't study every weather pattern that would come. No, they said, I'm going to find the firmest of foundations. We're going to build there. So it doesn't matter what waves come. It doesn't matter what weather comes. It doesn't matter if it's cold. It doesn't matter if it, the wind's blowing. 
because we're going to build on the firm foundation. We're going to build on the solid rock, and that's what we're called to do, to build on the revelation of Christ. So our focus isn't the storm. Our focus is Christ. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, that is the man who builds upon the rock. He is a man who desires and prays for holiness and who strives after it. He does his utmost to be holy because his supreme desire is to know Christ, not only to be forgiven, not only to go to heaven, but to know Christ now, to have Christ as his brother, to have Christ as his companion, to be walking with Christ in the light now, to enjoy a foretaste of heaven here in this world of time. That is the man who builds upon the rock. He's a man who loves God for God's sake and whose supreme desire and concern is that God's name and God's glory may be magnified and spread abroad. Friends, Jesus, Jesus is enough. We don't need Jesus and something else. We don't need Jesus and doing good works and things to have relationship with God. No, we have a relationship with God if we come humbly and confess our sin before him. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But what we are to be left with isn't, hey, we, we need to do this thing. Now, Jesus does call it. I mean, uh, I've, been, I've been affected greatly as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount. We would be served to spend time studying, memorizing, not, not closing our Bibles at the end of this chapter today and saying, yeah, we were there once, but treasuring, savoring these things over time, revisiting them. But the place we always need to come back to is the way this chapter ends. And it ends with these two verses. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Jesus isn't just a good teacher. Jesus isn't great philosopher. Jesus is the one who we learned from the beginning of John, who spoke and this world came into existence. He's also the same one who came and humbled himself to be in the form of a man. He's the one who would come and would heal people and would speak truth that would come right and cut to their heart. He's the powerful one who lived a perfect life and endured every temptation He's the one who endured the full and complete wrath of God for those who would trust in him. He's the one that, by God's power, defeated death and the grave. He's the one who is seated at God's right hand, at the ready. For when God says go, he's going to return. And he's going to make all things new. And he's going to make every wrong right. And he's going to have a reign that's peaceful and glorious and like nothing we've ever seen before. He's the one who's been sharing this message. He's the one that's been seated, sharing this with his disciples, 
in loving compassion, warning them, exhorting them. And he's the one that said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's why we can sing. This is so many verses from the great hymn on Christ the solid rock. And in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. We learned about that when we studied Hebrews. Right? We're, it's not about the efforts that we make. We're anchored because we're found in Christ. We're anchored in heaven. Jesus is there. We're tied to him. Our life is in him. So as the winds and waves come and they, they drift us back and forth, we don't get tossed out to sea. Why? Because we're anchored. We're anchored in heaven. And so when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. And I pray that we would be most aware of him. That we don't earn our way into heaven, but you, you've sent your son to make a way. And so if you are here this morning, and you realize you've never trusted in Christ, you can, you can place your trust in him right now by, by asking for his forgiveness right where you are, and he will meet you right where you are. But you're not gonna miss the moment right now because he can hear you this afternoon or tonight when you're on your bed. He, he doesn't pressure, he loves but he does speak with urgency. And if you are here and you realize, oh, feeling some conviction, I don't know if I've been building upon the solid foundation of the revelation of Jesus and who he is and delighting in who he is. Lord, would you remind these precious saints this word isn't to make people feel small and crummy. This word is given to direct their gaze to the firm foundation of Christ, not to make them feel guilty and condemned, but rather than to guide them to the path of, of directing their gaze and having their affections to Christ. So you can come afresh to Christ this morning and every day until we see him face to face. We ask all this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.